Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by one of the men of Moses Lake Baptist Church. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 21, if you want to find your place there, Numbers chapter 21. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to mention that this Sunday, of course, we'll be having services here at the church at 11. It'll also be online for those that you want to watch online. But also this coming Sunday evening at 6, we're going back to to church, okay? So 6 o'clock, we'll have our regular evening service, 6 o'clock, and that also will be online if you want to watch that online, but you're welcome to come and be in our church service at 11 o'clock Sunday morning, 6 o'clock Sunday evening. Then coming up, June the 2nd, I believe it is, that uh, week there, we're going to have revival here uh, with Brother Dave McCracken. He's one of our favorite speakers coming here, and uh, we call him Crazy Dave. Uh, He's just a wonderful preacher and uh, just uh, stirs your heart, gets you excited, and that's coming up that first week in June. So be sure and tune in for that or be able to be here for those live services. Well, this coronavirus, whether you call it an epidemic, a pandemic, or some call it a plandemic, uh, looking at some of the things that are going on, it has affected everybody in some way, in many, in many ways. And as this uh, pandemic or this uh, COVID-19 has caused some difficulties for people, People have become frustrated, they're in fear, uh, they become discouraged, and when we become discouraged, all these different things begin to happen that we're going to talk about in just a moment. Uh, numbers 21, verse number 1, we'll read just four verses here. Numbers 21, verse 1 through 4. And when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people unto my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. Excuse me. And the Lord hearkened unto the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites And they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people, look at the verse, the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Much discouraged because of the way. Well, we can easily get discouraged, can't we? And here they had a great victory, but then there came discouragement. The soul of the people was, the Bible says, much discouraged. Discouraged. The word discouragement means a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. It also has a definition of dispirited. This kind of takes the spirit out of a person. We all face times of circumstances in our life where we face discouragement. Uh, We have ups and downs in our life. There's hills and valleys. Mountaintop experiences are often followed by those valleys. And we see that many times in the Bible and in our own lives. And it causes us to fear. This thing of the COVID-19 has brought people into discouragement and a lot of fear going on. Somebody gave a definition of fear. 
as false evidence, false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. <clears throat> My wife and I, during this uh, pandemic, we've not changed our lifestyle hardly at all. The only thing that's been affected really is we're not able to go out to restaurants and uh, church was shut down for a little while. We were coming to the services anyway and watching them film. Uh, but a lot of people are staying home and allowing fear to control their lives. Listen, uh, don't allow fear. The Bible says in, first, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And so we just need to continue doing what God wants us to do. But this discouragement, uh, it affects everybody in one way or another. Remember Elijah? He had that great mountaintop experience where he stood up for the Lord and 850, uh, called fire from heaven, 850 uh, prophets of Baal were killed that day. And a great victory for Israel and for God. And Israel said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But then uh, he heard that Jezebel was after him. And we find Elijah, the great prophet, great man of God, hiding in a cave and asking God to kill him because of discouragement. God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I've still got some important things for you to do. Get up and get, get working. And we, th we think of uh, people like that. David himself, when he had that wonderful victory over uh, Goliath, God gave him a great victory there. And then as we're learning in 1 Samuel, uh, Saul begins to come against him and he gets discouraged. And he finds himself hiding in caves and dens of the earth and running from Saul and times of discouragement in his life. You read about it in the Psalms and how he turned to the Lord in times like that. A uh, number of years ago in New York City, I have a little article here, a place called Hayden Planetarium, New York City. They ran an advertisement in the papers there and they asked for people who uh, wanted to be the first to go on a mission to another planet uh, to submit an application. Within just a matter of a few days, over 18,000 people applied. They wanted to take that rocket ship ride to another planet. They gave those applications to a panel of psychiatrists and psychologists, and they began to review that. And they said this was the reason. The vast majority of those who had applied wanted to start a new life on another planet because they were so discouraged about their life here on this one. Well, people get discouraged, and because of their discouragement, they begin to do some odd things. I want to give you four things that people do when they get discouraged. Number one, we begin to think the wrong things. We begin to think wrong. Uh, we begin to think things like, this is God's fault. Why is this happening to me? Like, we're somebody special. But see, uh, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, and the Good and bad comes to everybody. Or we begin to think, well, God loves other people more than he loves me. Look what he's doing for them, and he's not doing anything for me. And doubt begins to creep into our minds. Now, we won't turn there, but you remember over in Matthew chapter 11 where John the Baptist was in prison, and he sent some of his disciples to say to Jesus, are you the one? Are you the Christ, or should we look for another? Here's John the Baptist in prison, and he begins to say, you know, things aren't going the way I thought they would. I thought the kingdom was going to come in. And he sends to Christ, are you the one? And Christ sends back the message by the disciples. You go tell John what you've seen and what you heard. Look at these miracles that are being done. Look at the uh, people that are being raised from the dead. And here was John. Think about it. The forerunner of Christ, the one who baptized Jesus and 
heard the voice of God and saw the Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a, in the form of a dove. Here he was, the one who was filled from the, with the Spirit of God from his womb. Jesus called him the best born among, of, of women, and yet John the Baptist said, are you the one? You see, Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar, and he's uh, our accuser. He's accuser of the brethren. The Bible tells us he's our adversary, the devil. And he goes about seeking whom he may devour. He cannot make you think wrong thoughts, but he can plant the seed. A little seed of doubt, like in Genesis chapter 3, Yea, hath God said, he says to Eve. Yea, is that really what God said? He begins to plant that little seed of doubt or bitterness, or hatred, or jealousy. And when that happens, we begin to think wrong things. The story is told that Satan once had a sale of his tools, and out there he had jealousy and hatred and bitterness and all these different tools set out for people to look at and to buy. But over on the one table was a tool that was a strange-looking tool, and a sign on it said, Not for Sale. And somebody asked, said, oh, what is this tool over here? He said, that's the tool of discouragement. That tool has been more useful to me than all these other tools. You see, I use it on everyone. And if I can use discouragement on someone, I can use it to pry open a man's heart and use these other tools on him. He said, that's the most important tool I have. And most importantly, people don't even know that it's my tool. Discouragement is a tool of the devil. It can make us think wrong things. And then it can make us say wrong things. Look at our text in uh, verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Whoa, wait a minute. Here they are speaking out against God and against God's man. Wherefore has ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth. We hate this light bread, this manna. And they spoke out against God, and they spoke out against God's man. And it causes us discouragement, it causes us to say the wrong things. We begin to say things that we wish we could take back, things that just come out, and then we're sorry we said them, but it's too late. It's like the shotgun that goes off, and you can't bring those pellets back. Speaking against our leaders, for example, our leaders, whether it's uh, government officials, uh, whether it's local or national, when we speak against them, we need to be careful. The Bible tells us not to speak against those in authority. In fact, they've been placed in authority. Don't speak against them unless, of course, you are praying for them. We need to be praying for our leaders. Listen to a couple of verses. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 50, uh, 15 and verse 4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Oh, don't you know your words can hurt? Remember the little saying, sticks and stones? May break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Oh, yeah, words hurt, don't they? They really can. James chapter 3 talks about the tongue and how it's uncontrollable, uh, how it's just a little member in our body, and yet it's able to control things like a bit in the horse's mouth will control that powerful horse or a little rudder will control where that ship goes. And James says it's little, but it's like a, a fire. It's like a spark. Look how much a little spark can start a forest fire. 
He says, and our tongue is set on fire of hell, and it's untamable. No one can tame it. We need to be careful about that use of the tongue, especially when we get discouraged and we get down and we begin to say some things that we shouldn't say. Our words can either help and heal, or they can hinder and hurt. Back in Job, you remember the story of Job and his wife, uh, things going great for them. They had uh, wealth, they had all kinds of possessions, had 10 children, and then all of a sudden in one day, it was all wiped out. And Mrs. Job, there she is, and her husband is sitting on a pile of ashes, scraping sores from his body, and her 10 children are, are in the grave. She's had to, had to have their funeral. And uh, there she is with all of her security gone, all of the the sheep and the cattle and the wealth they had gone. And she turns to her husband. You remember this verse? She says, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just curse God and die? Not very encouraging, discouraging, hard words. Let me say this. I'm thankful for an encouraging wife. My wife and I, my wife Judy, we've gone through a lot of ups and downs. We've lost a child. I've lost jobs. I've lost my health, been facing cancer for the last 10 years and going through all kinds of chemo and different uh, uh, medical procedures. And God has granted me life. But through it all, she has been very encouraging. She stayed right by my side. She's been very supportive. She has uh, helped me. And she's, uh, Judy is a very practical woman. She sees everything black and white. And that helps me to stay the course. Well, Jesus warned us. He warned us with his words that one day we will give an account for all of our words. Well, when discouragement comes, we begin to think wrong things, we begin to say wrong things, and then we begin to perceive some things wrongly, begin to see things wrong. Uh, for example, uh, he, in Numbers chapter 13, the 12 spies went in to spy out the land. You remember the story. They went in to spy out the land, and they came back, and two of them, they all said, hey, it's a wonderful land. There's great things there. Two of them said, let's go up. God's given us a victory. Let's go get them. But 10 of them said, wait a minute. They're like grasshoppers. There's people everywhere, and besides that, they're giants, and we're just like little grasshoppers in their sight. We can't go up against that. And the Bible says when they said that, they discouraged the hearts of the people. You see, our words can, our actions can discourage others. And they discouraged the hearts of the people. And they spent another 40 years in the wilderness till all that generation died off before they could go into that promised land. We begin to exaggerate little things. When we get discouraged, molehills become mountains. Little problems become exaggerated. One bill is overdue and we begin to think, oh man, we're going to lose everything. We have to declare bankruptcy. We're going to be on the streets. We're going to be homeless. And we, mind begins to work that way. We get a flat tire in the car, and we start hearing a little pinging sound. And all of a sudden, we're thinking, man, the car's falling apart. We get discouraged. Every little thing becomes exaggerated. One person is upset, and we think, well, the whole world's upset with me. We're like the little kid out on the a uh, sidewalk or out on the curb, his feet hanging over the curb, and he's singing, everybody hates me, nobody loves me. I think I'll go out and eat worms. Some of you remember that. Well, that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to have joy and gladness and serve him with gladness. He wants to come to him, uh, us to come to him with thanksgiving in our heart. But discouragement 
will cause us to see or perceive things differently. Every little problem becomes huge. We need to look at the, not at the problem, but at the solver of the problem. David didn't look at the size of Goliath. He looked at the size of his God. And that's what we need to do in problems like this. Hey, God is bigger than his COVID-19. He's bigger than all this fear factor that's going on and what the media is telling us. We don't have to lock ourselves in and be fearful. We can get out and live for him and serve him just like he wants us to. The fourth thing, we think wrong. We begin to see things wrong. We begin to... uh, uh, look, say wrong things, and then the fourth things, we begin to do wrong things, and we get discouraged. Our actions become affected. In Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 through 11, we see that Moses himself becomes discouraged. The people are murmuring, the people are complaining, and God tells him, uh, you know, I know there's no water here, so go over and speak to the rock. Go speak to the rock. Moses goes over, and because of his anger and because of his discouragement and because of what's going on, he strikes the rock with the rod. The water comes out, but God says, hey, Moses, because you've done this, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land. You see, even our great Bible heroes heroes got discouraged. Uh, The apostle Peter, Jesus said to him in Matthew 16, uh, blessed art thou, Peter, uh, he says, uh, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, me, or unto you, but the Spirit of God had revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and Jesus said, upon this rock, this statement, I'm going to build my church. And a few verses later, Jesus said, I'm going to go into Jerusalem and lay down my life. And Peter said, whoa, wait a minute, Lord. And he rebuked the Lord. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You see, we can all become discouraged a little bit when things aren't going our way. In Acts, we read about a young man, John Mark, who went on the missionary trip with Paul and Barnabas, the first missionary trip. And this was Barnabas' nephew. And you remember the part of the story? He got discouraged, and he turned around and went home. And on the next missionary journey, Paul said, we're not taking that kid with us. Uh, He dropped out when we needed him. He got discouraged because of the hardness of the way, whatever the reason. And uh, he turned back. Paul tells us about another man over in 2 Timothy. He talks about a fellow who was his working mate, a a man that worked with him in the gospel and in missions. His name was Demas. And he says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see, when we get discouraged, we not only say the wrong things and think the wrong things, but we also do the wrong things. We sometimes do what we would think we would never do. Discouragement comes into the life of all of us. Somebody says, well, how should we react when we are discouraged? I'm glad you asked that, all right? I'm glad we've come to that. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, by the way, pastor did a great study Sunday mornings in 1 Samuel we're going to skip ahead a little bit to chapter 30, where David and his men have been out fighting some battles, and they come back to their own city of Ziklag. And as they come back to their, their city, in chapter 30 and verse number 1, the Bible says it came to pass when David and his men were come back to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, 
And uh, they had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. These guys are coming back from uh, war, and they come back uh, from a battle, and they see smoke rising up at their own city, their own town. And they find out that it's been burned down, and everybody's been taken captive. They've taken the women captive, and all that were in the, therein, they didn't kill anybody, but they took all the women and children and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Uh, losing everything, losing your whole family, it would cause anybody to have be heartbroken. And David's two wives were taken captive. Uh, and uh, as we come down, verse 6, the Bible says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people, listen to this, spake of stoning him. Discouragement causes you to think wrong and say some wrong things. They begin to say, let's stone him, let's get rid of David. Why? Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons, for his daughters. But here's the key. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now I want to give you a couple of quick points and we'll be done. How did David encourage himself in the Lord? Just some quick thoughts. First of all, in verse 7 and 8, we'll not read them, but he goes, he says, call the prophet over here. Let's, let's talk to God. And he prayed and he sought spiritual guidance. That's what we need to do when we get discouraged. We need to go to God and say, God, what's going on here? Lord, I need your help. And he went and he sought some guidance, some spiritual guidance. Sometimes it might mean you go to your pastor. It might mean that you go to someone that you, you know has some uh, spiritual uh, strength. And you go to them and say, you know, how can I change some things here? So he relied on the Holy Spirit's spiritual help. And then he reflected on past blessings. The Bible says we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to look back at past victories, how God has worked in the past. He's brought you through so many things. He's not going to let you down now. So just think about some of those past victories. Have positive thoughts. In Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9, it says we need to think on positive things. It lists things there, pure and true and uh, if there's any virtue. And it goes through a list there and then it says if you'll do this, if you'll do this, you'll have the peace of God in your life. And so we need to change our thinking, reflect on past victories and blessings. And then thirdly, we need to remember God's promises to us. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised to supply our every need. He's, he has good thoughts for us. He wants us to be joyful. He wants us to be blessed. He loves us. He doesn't love us any more or less as we go through life. His love is always constant. He loves us no matter what. Some Christians have the wrong thinking. They think, well, if I don't do this, God's not going to love me. If I do this, if I mess up over here, God's not going to love me. He loves you the same no matter what you do. Do we disappoint him sometimes? Yes. Do we fail and sin sometimes? Yes. But he lovingly wants to gather us back to him. He's waiting for us to come and ask forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we need to remember that he knows what we're going through. His promises are still true. Number four, we need to renew our commitment to God. 
just say, Lord, I'm going to continue doing. I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill what you've laid on my heart to do. The callings of God are without repentance, the gifts and callings of God. And so renew that you're going to get into his work and do what you've promised to do. And then number five, restart or remain doing those things that he tells us to do. There are five things that God tells us to do every day. And if you do these every day, you can have a successful Christian life. Five things. Number one, pray. Spend time with God in prayer. Number two, in his word. Get in the word of God. Talk to God through prayer, and he talks to us through his word. So we, we pray, and we read our Bible, and we need to learn to fellowship with good Christians somehow every day. Now, we're not gathering in church every week like normal, like uh, regular service times. We're beginning to do that. But you need to fellowship with someone every day, a good Christian. Maybe it's on the phone. Maybe it's through texting or whatever. But you need to have some fellowship. Maybe it's somebody close by you can have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea with or something. And fellowship with some good Christian that will encourage you and you can encourage them every single day. And then, of course, number four, we need to learn to give every day. You say, give like an offering, money? No, not necessarily. We give of our time. We give of our talents. We give of ourselves. And then we need to learn to witness every day. Every day? Yeah, every day we ought to look for opportunities to witness. Maybe it's just handing out a track. Maybe it's a, a telephone call we make. Maybe it's a letter or a card we send off to somebody. Maybe, again, it's an email or a Twitter or uh, something on Facebook, and we send out a witness that, hey, we love God, and God loves us, and God loves you, and tell them about Jesus Christ. Somebody has said this, life is 10% of what happens and 90% how we react to it. Somebody else has said our attitude is what makes a difference in our altitude. Our attitude, attitude is very important. Every time you get out of bed, tomorrow morning, try this. You get out of bed, number one, stretch. Stretch, that helps your body. That gets your body invigorated and going. Smile, stretch, smile. That helps your, your soul. It just uh, gets you into an attitude. One thing I like about Brother Brian, he's up here on the platform, whether he's leading singing, uh, singing a special, doing whatever, He's always got that big smile on his face. And that's encouraging to me and to others I know. And we can do that. Get up out of bed, you stretch, you smile. And then you need to say, God loves me. God loves me. And just remember that God loves you and he wants the best for you that day. That, that helps your spirit to be in the right attitude. Most of us remember this story years ago. A 65-year-old retired man sat on the front porch, and he was just sitting there waiting. He's retired. He's waiting for a Social Security check to come. And sitting there, he, he got a discouraging thought. He thought, is this all there is for the rest of my life? I'm going to sit here and just wait every month for my security check to come? And he began to think, you know, I need to think of something to do. And he began to write a list of all the different uh, abilities he had, things he knew, and so forth. He came up with one thing, and you remember the story. He thought, well, here's something I have that nobody else has. It's my mother's recipe for chicken. He went down to the local diner, and he offered to be a cook if they let him cook his special recipe chicken. They let him do that, and of course, you know how that franchised out to different restaurants. And now almost every town in America 
as a Kentucky Fried Chicken because of Colonel Sanders. 65 years of age, waiting for his retirement check. Discouraged. He said, I'm not going to let this keep me down. Don't allow discouragement to affect your way you think, the things you say, the things you do, the way you perceive things. Instead, put your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him, his word, his promises, and go out there and live for him every day just like he wants you to. Don't let the devil have the victory. Let's live for him today and tomorrow morning when you get up. Stretch and say, God loves me, and smile, and change your day and your attitude for the glory of God. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.